Welcome to The Time Is Now. I'm your host, Michael Stafford. It is November the 10th, and we have a lot of cover this week, so let's get into it. Halfway through the NFL season, who's your MVP? Tons of COVID-19 results in college football. Is the season in jeopardy? The Raptors are looking for rental property in the U.S. Will they ever return home? But first, Tampa Tom and the Bucks getting blessed by the Saints. We got a lot to cover this week, so let's get into it. So sit back and relax, and I'll see you on the other side. This week, we're not starting with Monday Night Football. No, sorry, baby. We're going to have to start with Sunday Night Football as Drew Brees and the Saints put a whooping. I mean, they put a whooping on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa Tom. I mean, this game it was never even a game. It was over at halftime. They led 31-0 at half. Tom Brady throwing well over 200 yards for four touchdowns. And I'm sorry, not Tom Brady, but Drew Brees throwing for four touchdowns and over 200 yards. And Tom Brady couldn't get off the schneid. He had two picks in this game. It was horrible. They barely got three points at the end of that game late by Suckup. And I had Tom Brady starting in my league and I had Suckup. Man, it was tough. And I think I still edged it out because my team is just that dominant. But back to the game. It was just embarrassing to watch. And at one point, you thought that Tampa Bay was going to figure it out. They just got Antonio Brown. They, he brought him along. You got just a, just 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 so many riches at your disposal with Brock, A.B., Godwin, Evans. I mean, Bray, Fournette. These guys only ran the ball for a record low in NFL history five times. You got Leonard Fournette and you got Jones back there. I mean, what? <laughs> I, the game plan was horrific. You got. Tom Brady stepping back several times and, and never running the ball. Very little dink and dunk plays, not spreading the ball around. It was just something to see, to see that it, it was just an embarrassment. Just just total embarrassment. And they just got demolished. And I'm going to say this real quick before I move on to the other games. Before the season, people autom automatically was putting Tampa Bay at least at the top of the NFC South and, and the favorites to come out of the NFC. Right now, they're not even looking like the favorites come out of the NFC South. And we were already given the obituary to, well, some of us, we already given the obituary to Drew Brees, who's been showing decline over the last couple of seasons. And then with his rhetoric to begin the season about the different things of social injustice and talking about kneeling for the flag, we felt like he lost that locker room. But after the game, you can see that's clearly not the case as they're in there dancing and getting along just fine. Like I said before, before the season started on an earlier show, I said winning heals all wounds. If they win games, they will all just gel together. So it's something to see down there. Uh, I don't know. Um, Tom Brady needs to rebound after this because it's not looking too great. Moving on. Green Bay over the Niners, the the, the, the defeated Niners, 34 to 17. The, the Niners have a lot of injuries, so we won't talk more about that. Miami edging out Arizona. You had Tua Tunga Valoa over um the young gun, the young gun over down there, Kyler Murray. It was a great game. In spite of Kyler Murray doing 389 all-purpose yards and four total touchdowns, it was not enough to get over Miami. Miami right now is on a 
five game winning streak. They're, they're doing great things down over there. Pittsburgh barely edging out Dallas 24 to 19. Pittsburgh, the only undefeated team left in, in the league. However, they're edging people out. And Dallas, that should have been a blowout. Dallas defense is horrible. But Pittsburgh making a questionable call late in the game, up by five, up 24 to 19. And they could have kicked a field goal to be up by eight, where the worst case scenario would be a tie and going to overtime. But they elected in fourth down to go for it and it almost come back to bite them and then you know what because at the end of the game Dallas couldn't convert but all they needed was a touchdown at that point to win the game and with seconds left and I thought that was just horrific Atlanta beating Denver 34-27 Jared Judy finally um, getting some numbers that we thought he would be as he was the number one receiver picked in the draft uh, actually he wasn't but he should have been and then you had the Raiders edging out the Chargers 31 to 26. That was a good game. Once again, the, the uh, Justin Herbert showing why he's going to be the rookie offensive player of the year because he keeps showing that he can do big things, but they just cannot hold on to leads over there in L.A. And as that late game drop, uh, they just barely edged out. Buffalo putting a stomping on Seattle 44 to 34. This game was more about who could possess the ball longer. It seems like another week Russell Wilson continues to turn the ball over with two interceptions. I believe he also had two fumble losses as well. He had three total touchdowns, but it just wasn't enough because Josh Allen did some serious work with over 400 yards and four total touchdowns. So Josh Allen showing why he is probably, if they had an award for most improved player, he would win that. Baltimore beating Indianapolis 24 to 10, 24. And we see in Indianapolis, they are who we thought they were. Houston finally getting a win over there. Uh, I wouldn't say rivals, but their division foe in, in Jacksonville, 27 to 25. Kansas City and Patrick Mahomeboy edging out Carolina as Christian McCaffrey makes a nice comeback. And Christian McCaffrey comes back with two total touchdowns and over 150 total yards. But Mahomeboy over here with over 217, over 272 yards and four total touchdowns. Doing mad work, looking like the MVP again, but their defense has to pick it up if they want to repeat. Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook going to work. Minnesota beating Detroit 34 to 20. And Dalvin Cook with 22 total carries and over 252 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns, 9.4 yards per carry. He is on my fantasy team and he's doing major, major work. And Tennessee, 24 to 17 over Chicago. I believe Chicago's on a five-game slide. And we have the, the Giants beating Washington 23 to 20. And then we have Monday Night Football where the New England Patriots just barely edged out the Jets and Cam Newton stopping the New England Patriots from getting their first five-game losing streak. So that's what happened this past week. It was a great week in football in week nine. There's so many different things we can talk about in regards to week nine. <clears throat> Let's talk about next week. So in week 10, we have some... A lot of different matchups, but let's talk about our high five hot picks. We're going to cover only five games next week. I'm going to these are my predictions. This is something new I want to try with you guys. And we have one of them I'm going to pick up is the Houston versus Cleveland. We have the Texans versus the Browns. And, and Vegas chooses the Browns at two and a half games. I say that the Browns are going to cover the spread and they're going to win 30 to 24. Um, Bucks and Panthers. The Bucks are the favorites to win at four and a half games. I have the Bucks actually beating the Panthers 38 to 17. We're going to check all these next week, guys. 
And then we have Denver at Raiders, which is a rivalry game, and Raiders need this game to go ahead and still fight for that final wild card spot. They have the Raiders favorite at four and a half games. I actually have the Raiders winning this, thir- uh, 24 to 13. And next after that, I'm choosing the Bills and Cardinals games, the game to look out for. They have the uh, they have the cards actually favored at one and a half points. I disagree. I have the Bills actually beating them by two. I have them beat winning 30 to 28. And finally, we have the Seahawks at LA Rams. They have the Rams favorite at a point and a half, at a point and a half. And I disagree. I think Seattle's going to rebound and win this game by five, 35 to 30. So those are my high five hot picks for next week. We have so many different options on that. So that's what I have for those. And let's take a look at our standings, shall we? Right now in the AFC East, we have the Bills topping that division seven to two and on a three game winning streak and Dolphins right behind them with a four game winning streak. 5-3 with Tua taking over. And in the AFC West, we have the Chiefs. They only have that one loss to the Raiders who are right behind them, two games behind them at 5-3. and three. The Chiefs are on a four-game winning streak, and the Raiders are doing pretty good. And then the AFC North, we have the only undefeated team in the Steelers, 8-0. and oh, And the Ravens and the Browns behind them, 6-2 and two and 5-3. and three. And then in the AFC South, we have the Titans leading that division 6-2. And the Jaguars pulling far, far behind. Let's look at the National Football League and the NFC. In the NFC least, the Eagles lead that division three and four with a two-game winning streak. And that's just a sad division. They should just eliminate the division. I told you, we say this every week. I, I might not even talk about them ever again. In the NFC West, even though the Seahawks have been losing there, six and two in that division, the cards are right behind them at five and three. Actually, in the NFC West, Everyone took an L this week. The Rams, the Niners, the Cars, the Seahawks. Um, I believe it was the most competitive division in, in the NFL, but they all took L's this week. In the NFC North, the Packers lead that division 6-2. to two, And the Bears right behind them, well, two games behind them at 5-4 and four on a three-game losing streak. They got to turn it around. And we're going to go with NFC South finally, where the Saints just overtook that number one spot from the Buccaneers at six and two on a five game winning streak and the Buccaneers six and three. So that's how it's looking right now. So it's the mid season of the mid season. We want to see what kind of awards are coming up. So mid season, who do you have? Who do you have as being your top players? So let's take a look. For the MVP votes right now, um, it's looking like, you know, don't forget Russell Wilson was everyone's favorite early on, but remember, he's never gotten an MVP vote. He currently leads the league with 28 touchdown passes, but the Super Bowl MVP is right behind him. And you know who he is, my homeboy. My homeboy, Patrick Mahomes, has thrown for over 2,600 yards and 25 touchdowns and just one interception. He set a new record for the fastest quarterback to 100 touchdown passes. And you cannot overlook Aaron Rodgers, who's having a resurgence after all the criticism from last season. He has thrown for 24 touchdowns with just two interceptions. He is leading that division very well. But we do have some sneaky dark horse picks. Let's look at some dark horses. We talked earlier about Josh Allen, who has 24 total touchdowns. He's leading the Bills to a 7-2 record, the third best team in the AFC. And don't forget about Dalvin Cook. We talked about him earlier. He leads 
the league in rushing with nearly 900 yards, and he did it in just seven games. So we got to be on the lookout for those. That's the midseason awards. Um, we do actually have some other awards to talk about. I want to know what your leading candidates may be. Let's take a some, look at some of the leading candidates right now for um, each each different major category. So right now, midseason awards, I'm going to give Patrick Mahomes. I'll have him as a leading candidate for MVP with Aaron Rodgers right behind him. And then once Russell Wilson, like we spoke about earlier. But let's talk about the Offensive Player of the Year. I have Dalvin Cook actually leading that race and Alvin Kamar right behind him. And I think DK Metcalf makes a very strong case for that as well. And then for the midseason award for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I have Justin Herbert leading that and Burroughs right behind him. And for defense, finally, for Defensive Player of the Year, I have Miles Garrett above Aaron Donald. And I think that's how that's going to tally right there. So. With all that, let's get into some fantasy scoring, shall we? In week nine, Kyler Murray actually edged out Patrick Mahomes for the number one leading score this week. And let's look at all the different running backs. For the running backs, I believe it was Dalvin Cook again. We'll take a quick look. And I was right. Dalvin Cook by a landslide with the most points. With 41 points this week, Christian McCaffrey making a strong resurgence. And James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars is actually on one of my teams. And so is Jared McKinnon from the 49ers is also on my team this week. And I traded away Josh Jacobs, but that's okay. I got some good players in return. So that's what we have for our running backs. And let's go back to the quarterbacks. With the quarterbacks this week, I said it before, Kyler Murray just edging out Patrick Mahomes for the top quarterback and guess what on one of my teams i have patrick mahomes and aaron Rodgers as my backup so I, anybody who's interested in making a trade my church members in my church league i have aaron Rodgers on the trade block and i want something big in return and josh allen is up there not too far behind patrick mahomes and aaron Rodgers for the top quarterback so let's go into wide receivers shall we and the wide receivers um it was a weird kind of week because we have people like Rashard Perryman out of New Jersey, and um, we had Richie James out of San Francisco, who all passed up slightly by Devontae Adams, who's actually on my team, and Tyree Hill, who's on one of my other teams, and DJ Chark out of Jacksonville. He he barely made the list this week. Let's talk about tight ends. There's not a lot of good tight ends this year. Travis Kelsey back on top with 18, Irv Smith out of Minnesota, and Jimmy Graham out of Chicago, surprisingly, finally showing up, and we saw Evan Ingram when he did um, the other day so let's go over to kickers because you know what they play football too and you have a great kicker they can win the game for you greg zerline greg zerline from dallas with 15 and nick folk ties that with 15 and jason sanders with 14 and tyler bass out of buffalo with 14 and then don't forget about young hoku out of atlanta with 13 he seems like the um usual suspect but it seems like it changes every week who's going to be at the top so that is that for our football this week we're going to take a short break we'll be right back this is the time is now This show is brought to you by Pure Diamond Auto. 
With Pure Diamond Auto, they take the dirt out of the car business and make it pure. Pure Diamond Auto has a team of former finance and sales managers who can guide you through all the tricks of the trade. Go to www.purediamondautola.com today and use promo code TIME for a free consultation. That's promo code TIME. That's purediamondautola.com. What can I say? I love PDA. All right, everybody, this is my favorite part of the show. You know what time it is. It's the happy birthday, so let's go. We have Kendrick Perkins, former NBA champion and ESPN correspondent, turning 36. We have Ann Hathaway, turning 38. We have Luke Regno, who was formerly known as the Hulk, turning 69. We have Tracy Morgan, the comedian, turning 51. And we got Leo DiCaprio, turning 46. We have Bold Bold, the son of Manute Bowl in the NBA, turning 21. We have Trey Smith, the eldest son of Will Smith, turning 28. We have Russell Westbrook, turning 32. And we have Demi Moore, turning 58. And we have Jimmy Kimmel, the hilarious Jimmy Kimmel, turning 53. And we have Whoopi Goldberg, turning 65. And we have Gerald Butler. This is Sparta turning 51 and we have pete davidson from snl turning 27 and we have an honorable mention um the late Brittany murphy she would have been 43 she passed away in 2009 and we have one more honorable mention my mother annie stafford has her birthday today so that's it this week guys now back to our show Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, I never, I don't think I've ever spoken about college football or college sports for that matter on the show. And it's for good reason, especially right now with the pandemic um, looming. And I, I just feel like, and the players are not getting paid. They're not professionals. This is not their job. This is their recreation. This is how they do to get through school. This is how they get their scholarships. Yes but this is not their jobs and the, to put them at risk. And it's really not even them being at risk because because of the, the way that the, the, the testing is going about, if the chances of them having any sort of fatality, if you will, with the COVID-19, the issue is them going back to their families. And this past week, we had so many games canceling or being rescheduled due to the COVID-19 testing. Let's case in point. Notre Dame versus Clemson going to double overtime, 47 to 40. Notre Dame overtakes Clemson. Now, why was it even a game? Because the top quarterback, the top player in the nation, Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be probably the number one pick in the draft, has tested positive for COVID-19. Okay, maybe not a big deal. He was not quarantined. Matter of fact, he was on the sideline rooting his team on. Now, they said he had just recovered, but they said it's just protocol to keep him on floor longer. But I'm like, he still should be gone from the team. But to make matters worse, when Notre Dame won in double overtime, they had fans in the stands. Of course, they were distant, quote on air quote, distant. But guess what they did? They all charged the field. No longer distance whatsoever. Thousands of people, of children, of students, charged the field 
the probability that's that's like a petri dish that's like a petri dish for the COVID 19 to just harvest now the crazy part is is that we're going to have thanksgiving in a couple of weeks where they get to go home to their families and to their parents and to their grandparents and god help us and this is why we're leading the world with the most cases well over a million cases this past week in COVID 19. I don't feel like the players should be playing at all. I feel like if these guys are playing, if, if they're amateur sports, then why are we pressing this so much? Because you know why? It's for the money. It's for the TV ratings. You know, and they still have people in the stands more so than the NFL is. It's for all those reasons. I don't feel like they should be playing at all. Because right now, COVID is running rampant in, in the NCAA. You have Tom Izzo of Michigan State testing positive. Number five, Texas A&M have so many players testing positive. The Cal versus Washington game gets postponed because of a player testing positive. Head coach Sam Pittman out of Arkansas testing positive. You have so many individuals and people testing positive. Even Nick Saban, roll tide. The great Nick Saban testing positive. Now this person, these people are over 70, over 60, some of them. They have pre-existing conditions. So God help them if anything goes wrong. Yes, they'll have the best care. But that's what could possibly happen. There, there, there's a long, here's a list of the other, other NCAA football teams who have produced positive COVID-19 tests. We have Appalachian State, Arkansas State, Baylor, BYU, Charlotte, Cincinnati, Florida, Florida Atlantic, Kansas State, Louisiana State, Memphis, North Texas, Notre Dame, South Alabama, Southern Mississippi, Texas Christian, which is TSU, Tulsa, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech, and many more. We have several, several different games that were postponed due to COVID-19. Now, this is gonna be one of my soapboxes on this moment right now because I feel that it is wrong for them to even be out there and playing and putting everyone in their circle at risk. They are not professional athletes. You do not pay them as professional athletes, so you need to treat them as such. If anything, this has taught us that this is a glaring fact that these children or these young men, I should say, need to be paid for their for their work and for what they sacrifice because they have never sacrificed anything ever as, as much as they have this year putting themselves and their families at risk i will leave that there moving on in the nba it's going to be tough to have a season this year but they've already agreed to having a season um the draft is coming up on the 18th and i believe they said that um, they will have free agency starting on the 22nd. So look forward to that and all the players, a whole lot of shaking going on with all of those things with the players. So that's going to be fun. So but some other rumors are saying that they possibly have a baseball schedule because the way the NBA works, if you're traveling, you're you're going back to back games. You're going from city to city to city to city. And you, you're going to increase your chances, your probability of contamination. Now, in the NFL, you're playing one team a week. You're traveling in one place. You have time to, if there's positive tests, to make adjustments. But with the NBA, who you might have come across two or three different teams before a positive test, come, positive test comes about. So they're trying to table an idea, thinking about possibly doing like a baseball type of schedule. Because in baseball, they, they play series all year long. You'll be in a city for three to five days, depending on how long you're playing them. And you play back-to-back -back days and so forth. So they're possibly they're, they're tabling the idea of getting all your series, all, all your matchups. So 
in the NBA, in, in your conference, you'll play a team four times, and you play out of conference, you play them two times. Well, actually, in your division, four times, and, and selected teams maybe three times within your conference. The majority of the teams in your conference, you play four times. Now, being that this is a shortened season, they may not have too many teams you play four times. They might have it where it's just three times in your conference, but still the two times in the opposite conference. So what they're thinking of, say, for instance, the Lakers go to Orlando. They'll just play two games in Orlando. See, this is the thing where it's unfair because, well, I guess because there's not going to be any fans in the stands. I don't think they really care if it's going to be home court advantage or not because there's no fans. So but what they're talking about is just doing those two games. Like you, you go play on a Tuesday, take a break on a Wednesday and play again on a Thursday or, or something like that. And then you go back home. Or you go to the next city and you, and you play all your series there. So now when you go to Texas, you're going to play Houston. Then you're going to play San Antonio. And then you're going to play Dallas. So you're going to be out there for a little over a week. Then you fly out. So that's kind of what they're trying to do and, and see if that if that works. So if an Eastern Conference team go out there and knock out six games in, uh, in, in nine days, they'll do so. So that's what they're trying to table and lobby to do. And to make up some revenue, they're considering doing the playing games and they want to expand it out to the 10th seeds on both sides. So uh, from seven to 10 are going to be playing playing games to try to garnish getting into the to the final eight spot. And it's going to be exciting. So it's going to be like a tournament within the season and it looks like they're eliminating the All-Star Weekend this year with, without fans. What's the point? Uh, All-Star Weekend is probably the best. NBA All-Star Weekend is probably the best in all professional sports. I think baseball comes out of those second with the home run derby. But for the most part, no one else, nothing, everything pales in comparison to the NBA's All-Star Weekend. And it looks like we won't be having that this season, guys. So that's that. There's a lot of NBA rumors about trades and and pickups or, or uh, moving around. I was gonna talk about a few, I'll talk about a few, why not? We're, we're gonna entertain this um, next week some more. Um, but right now they're talking about how the Lakers can possibly um, pick up some big men who are looking to come to LA for cheap and one be interested in Thompson because he does have ties in LA with the Kardashians and his family. And the other one is Serge Ibaka out of Toronto who's thinking about coming to the Lakers for cheap. So we'll see what happens there. And we already talked about uh, Derrick Rose possibly coming here and, or coming to the Lakers in a trade. The, speaking on Toronto, who knows, you might have a lot of players looking to leave because, especially for this season, because they don't know where they're going to play. Rumors are that um, Toronto, well, the, the, the rules in Canada right now, they have stricter rules for COVID and they're not allowing anyone from the United States to come into their country because our laws have been so loose and our regulations have not been there. We've been doing things state to state instead of making a broad national order of what can be done. But they're not allowing any teams or anybody really for that matter, the USA to be coming in and out of their country. So the, like I said before, how those things work, how you move and you move here, move there, maybe with this whole baseball type schedule they may allow that so you can have some sort of quarantine if you're there for a week but as of right now it's looking like um they're trying to negotiate with local um figures but it's not looking likely so they're having plans b and c drawn up where they're talking mainly about possibly playing in cities like um louisville um sharing a stadium with the barclays with brooklyn with the nets or hey, going back to Seattle. Now this can be a great chance for Seattle 
to show their fanfare. Even though you can't be in the stadium, they can be outside of it. And it will be cold, but that will them really be proving how they really, really, really miss the franchise there. And you'll see the ratings go through the roofs for that area because Seattle's been starving for a team since they left for OKC. And eventually the NBA wants to expand to 32 teams like the NFL. And just right now, with the teams at the bottom playing so poorly, and the and the the there's not enough talent in the league for them to expand 30 more players on two more teams. But the moment they do, I rest assured that you will see a team in Seattle. I was hoping the sorry Clippers were going to go to Seattle since their owner is from that area and Balmer, but he chose to go ahead and move the team to Inglewood where the Lakers won for so many years and make and were able to name that city the city of champions because the Lakers were champions all through the 80s before they chose to move to the Staples Center in 2000. Then they went on a three-peat, but I digress. It looks like the Raptors may relocate in Seattle and that my friends will be fun all right so we're going to take another break we're going to have you a lovely musical selection and then after that our soapbox this is the time is now We do not own the rights to this music. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
Okay, talk to me about the future of Public Enemy. Future of Public Enemy, guys. That was Fight the Power by Public Enemy back in 1989. 31 years ago. Fight the Power. My goodness, my goodness. Powerful, powerful stuff. So many things to talk about. There's always something to talk about. But guess it's 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 this is the low-hanging fruit we had an election last week took all the way to saturday to elect joe biden and senator kamala harris as our new president and vice president-elect so many first time record breaking this record breaking that most voter turnouts in history and we still have president donald trump not looking to concede, rather making false allegations and false statements and saying a lot of reckless things, a lot of dangerous things. And it's just a sad state when our children can look down upon and see that this person became, becomes the leader of our nation. And our people voted him in. And the glaring thing is that how we had more people who voted for him this time than last time. The fact that this man was a clear, clear white supremacist, a fascist, where all the people who were glaring racist, not all Trump supporters were racist, but all the racists were Trump supporters. I spoke about that before. And how all of us, how? Can he garner more votes? When people, when the polls stated that it would be a landslide, and then it was that close where we took several days to elect the easiest pick ever, people who actually had experience in this field, people who actually had a plan to get us back, to be in the nation that we, the great nation we claim to be, 
it was just alarming to see. What I took from it is I saw how divided we are. And what I want to thank Donald Trump is that he uncovered the underbelly. He uncovered the, 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 the grime, the dirt, because he made it comfortable for those who felt that way, wearing their mask and wearing their different things to cover who they truly were. And those who were possibly sitting on the sidelines and, 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 and being just idle while all these injustices happened, they were just simply changing the channel or scrolling past. They didn't want to see. They, they probably were a little offended or confused about Kaepernick back in the days when he took a kneel talking about social injustice. And now it was clear to see when they saw George Floyd and it allowed it invoked things out of people i appreciate people like lebron james who helped get a lot of people to vote but i want to applaud these women the stacy abrams out of georgia who very by a very slim margin lost the governor's seat who didn't get a chance to make it but she was responsible for getting over eight hundred thousand new voters to vote and turned georgia into a battleground turn that state from red to blue I mean that's amazing and the mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms who's done a phenomenal job and and getting people to vote and turning around that city and then of course Kamala Harris the vice president madam vice president elect these three black iconic women are the driving forces of why Trump is out of office. I was reading something when I saw it says a black woman from Spelman, and that is who we spoke of earlier, Miss Adams, helped get out the vote in a city ran by a black woman from FAMU, who's Keisha bottoms to push a ticket with a black woman from Howard who is Kamala Harris over the top thank you black women and thank you HBCUs now with that it's just when I see this discrepancy and this divide and I see how black men voted for Trump than they did before. Before they knew all these things, how before they saw the evil and the dirt, and then you have some of them doing photo ops with him. He doesn't care about you. He's gonna to continue to use you to get what he wants. Once again, is our black women who stepped up to the plate, who could see through the BS and call a spade a spade, who continue to lead us through prosperity. In this country, what was glaring is that it's not about black, it's not about white, it's not about brown, it's about green. But I appreciate the black women who could see past that and say, you know what? I'm going to choose my people over my profit. I'm going to choose my people over my pockets. Because at the end of the day, as you can see, this country is 
so divided, but it's time for us to come into the light and to be united. And I think it's a possibility to do that. And I pray that we can all get there and do that together as one nation, under God, indivisible, for liberty and justice for all, for all, for all. And I wanna add for once, Maybe we can have it going forward. Maybe one day, maybe who knows? My daughter seven, maybe she'll be the change. We have to wait and see until next time. that's it this week guys remember if you like the show remember to subscribe and share i appreciate all my lovely listeners and we continue to grow week after week now it's time for our final word she gets up while it's still night she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants she considers a field and buys it out of her earnings she plants a vineyard she sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her tasks she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamps does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Proverbs 31, 15 through 31. Remember to spread love, share love, embrace love for God is love. Until next time, peace.